You're listening to Mr. Suave at MrSuave.com. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. Hey, barkeep, whose leg do you have to hump to get a dry martini around here? Let's go to Detroit. Now you're talking, brother. Hello, music lovers. Welcome to Mr. Schwab's Mod Mod World. 
It is the height of summer, the so-called dog days of summer. It is hot. Afternoon siestas are called for, even here in Seattle, along with some cool gins and tonics in the shade on the patio. What better way to while away those warm hours than with some great music, right? Mr. Suave here, kids, and as Ed Sullivan would say, I've got a really, really big show for you. Doesn't sound much like Ed Sullivan, does it? Anyhow, I kicked off the show with the lead track from the 4019's latest album, New Roaring Twenties, just out from Big Stir Records. The song is It's For Fun, That's All We're Living For, and hell, I couldn't agree more. Coming up, a couple of special guests related to Big Stir Records will be along to share some cool new music and talk about some classic tracks as well, maybe. But first, let's check in with another Big Stir release. This is The Well-Wishers with We Grow Up. Thanks to 
right, welcome Modcast listeners. This is number 489, uh, if you can believe that, almost to 500. And it's a great uh, show coming up because I've got two special guests. I've got Rex and Christina from Big Stir Records to talk all sorts of music stuff today. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. Yeah, Thanks for having we're us. We're doing great. Thanks so much. It's awesome to be here. It is awesome to have you. I have been listening to your releases for a number of years now, and um, it's always fun stuff for me to uncover what you're uncovering, and I enjoy mm -hmm. it so much. I, I like to share it with others, and I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about how you end up in a record label, because I don't know how that works very well. Well, we started out as a live scene. Um, we were tired of, of getting sandwiched between the rap band and the metal band, and right. dragging our friends out for the half hour set for their $10, and they wouldn't come before because they didn't like the band before, and they wouldn't stay for the whole show because they didn't like the band after. So we decided we were going to book our own shows with similar artists. Yeah, this is LA, and I mean, like, the you know live scene and booking is, is, is tough everywhere for, uh, you know, um, for a million reasons, uh, you know, pay to play DJs, cover bands, stuff like that for original artists, you know, and of a certain age, not to give anything away. Um, but yeah, so this is it. This was, this was LA and, uh, and we were our band, the Armoires. Uh, we, we would occasionally cross pollinate with other bands that were, uh, were compatible. And, you know, we got to say that stuff like, uh, you know, international pop overthrow festival was, was key to that. Um, but we would just also every once in a while run into, like coworkers, like Jeff Page of uh, Leslie Prayer and the and the Lazy Maybe, Heroes, yeah. um, where we were just sort of like, we're doing this original stuff. It's tough to get booked. Um, someone should do something about that. Everyone, there was a, a craving for um, a scene, mm -hmm. you know, like we've like like has the kind of uh, you know rock scenes or music scenes that have uh, cropped up historically. Um, and everyone's sort of like, yeah, I wish I'd been a part of that thing that was going on in New York or in Manchester, or Athens, Georgia, you know, right. um, these, these sort of hotbeds where suddenly, and, and we, everyone was like, well, the bands are here. How do we get an audience to them? You know, uh, uh, and the answer to us was to put them all together. You know, so that's, together. that's how Big Stir Live was born. And after, what was it, a year or two before Steven said what he did? I guess it was, uh, well, we started the shows at the very end of 2015. Okay, so and it was two years later. It, yeah, at um, the very beginning of 2017. Right. We were about to, uh, We the shows have been running. We were about to go on tour in England with uh, um, Plastic Soul and, and Rusty Hitman and, and a bunch of bands that we had met overseas. So we were already getting a little bit international here through the, um, you know, the networking um, that occurred. So in, in LA, it I can imagine the competition has to be insane. There's, you know, I don't know, 40 million people in an 80 square mile area or something mm -hmm. insane. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And lots of things to choose from to do. So you find bands that you like or have something in common with yep. and start putting them all together. Did the, you were saying people were looking for that scene. Was it pretty easy to start drawing a crowd because nobody had been doing that before and for power pop bands, really anyhow? It was not easy in no. the beginning. Um, it was the bands watching each other because, at first, you know, yeah. right. uh, which was great. We enjoyed that. Oh, but absolutely. But we wanted There's it some to. some great ones out there. Um, yeah, but we wanted people to come at the beginning and stay till the end, and they just weren't used to that. 
So we had a lot of, you know, people that were, would message us or call and say, so what time is so-and-so's band on? (laughs) But you'll like the band before, you'll like the band after. So why don't you come earlier? Oh, I don't know about that. You know, that kind of stuff. They weren't used to it. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't used to it, but, but it, you know, I I always said to Rex, if we build it, they will come, you know, Um, just like field of dreams. And they did, they started, they started coming every month. Um, and that was in, in the community started growing and growing and growing. And we just uh, had to keep at it. And yeah. I mean, we also knew that, you know, when we're talking about, it feels like we've been running this label for a really long time, but it's not even really five years. And even the shows only go back like six years. So we knew that when we got a really good booking, uh, someone who'd been on the scene for a while, people were going to show up and arch their eyebrows about these new kids on the block <laughs> a little bit. And um, go home with their favorite new favorite bands but but they were you know we knew that there would be some skepticism because we sound we kind of sounded too good to be true and oh yeah you know what i mean like uh, and uh, (laughs) and so we we knew that the old timers are like yeah we've we've heard this song and dance before what's the catch um and but we're just really we really meant it we were uh, idiotically starting to do something that we had no background in just because we loved the music and we heard that, that there was this need for this scene. Yeah, to fill the void. Is, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, it, you know. We and also, we people... wanted a tour stop for people um, from overseas or from other parts of the country that, you know, if we had a monthly or thing and they overseas were Overseas, even, yeah. That's what I said. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not only overseas and domestic, but also international. <laughs> there is also a global component and a U.S. Ba- it's hard to have bands to bring bands into the United States from a lot of places. I know um, it, it can be expensive for them. Uh, is that something that you try and help with in order to get X over here? I mean, you haven't done that for a, a whole year, I would guess, but yeah. <laughs> or more. But I think one of the things that we always look at for that is that if someone's making that trip, we want to um, uh provide some infrastructure for them. So get more than one gig, for right. example, you know, and, and as the community has grown and we have, uh, you know, a, a huge uh, section of, of Big Stir that's, uh, you know, in Northern California and increasingly in the Midwest, um, uh, we right now are working with Dolph Cheney uh, in Chicago um, who's getting ready to do a tour. And, you know, we're kind of trying to remember how this works because it has been a year and more. But uh, when people start saying, well, I'll be cruising through this city, we'll be like, you know, who's good there? Um, yeah, we'll put them in touch with people. Um, but also, we, we also try to offer them a place to stay. And gear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like gear. And all of that stuff is, is hard. Uh, and just getting permission to play in the U.S. sometimes can be hard and getting visas and those kind of things are... Yeah, tricky. that's that's a super challenge, and, and that's you know there's only so much we can do with the bureaucracy. Right. But if we're providing, um, you know, and support musicians too. I mean, like you know, we've been de facto members of bands <laughs> from the UK, uh, and, and and vice versa, and, and vice versa. Yeah, that must be like, fun. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. When we toured, we um, there were how many of us? Seven in the UK. Uh, there yeah. were there were seven so of us. There was Plastic Soul, which was. Um, Stephen, Stephen, just one guy in, in that case, you know. Uh, one member from the band, um, from the Armoires, it was Rex and myself. And then from Huxley Rittman and the Rusty Hitman, they were four. So between the three of the three factions, we had three full bands. Three right. full four-piece bands, yeah. And then we had, we did 14 dates in the UK um, based on knowing people, uh, totally just like, um, okay, so next next stop, Oxford. We know people in Oxford. So 
uh, you know, the fourth band would be Charms Against the Evil Eye, Next Stop Canterbury. We know Spy Genius, um, you know, and... So they would backline and play on the bill. So there were always four bands on the bill and it was a, like nice. a big star yeah, in yeah. all these different cities. Um, and we, we tried we were, to do the inverse here. You yeah, know, we uh, were precluded precluded from making any money because of the visa. <laughs> um, you got to do the one gig that you were assigned, which was IPO Liverpool, and you got to do one other gig, but all the rest of them had to be free. So they were all promo gigs. I'm precluded from making very much money myself, <laughs> just, just in general. Um, well, so let's talk a little bit about the armoires because uh, the band predates the Big Stir stuff, right? You've got, yes. what, three albums? Three full albums now? Three full albums and an EP, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was, uh, I enjoyed the, um, well, I, I just can't see the attraction, October yeah. Surprise, which was uh, aptly named when then you revealed the surprise was all of these releases you did under another name. Yes. Was that just sort of a, a, a lockdown thing to do last year? Well, it sort of came out of that because the lockdown gave us the opportunity to explore all of these other kinds of songs that people are used to us doing. People were coming to us for covers. Um, I think it started with uh, the brother Steve, uh, Steve Coulter. He, in his garage, laid down a drum track and sent it to like 22 people and got the very beginning of lockdown one one really lo-fi drum track um <laughs> and we were all supposed to write a song around that drum track and it was going on a comp on a digital compilation called quarantine sessions and it was a fundraiser for um sweet uh, relief, sweet relief yeah. uh, musicians fund and so we did um i think it's one of the secret tracks it is now one of the secret bonus tracks yeah on on the on the album and incognito um and yeah that was a lot of fun that was ghost of fall singer and that's that started us i think thinking wow this is really different for us but it's a lot of fun yeah no live shows i mean we, we we've always been a band that i mean we did about 150 gigs in the in the three four years we were active we were very much a, a live band and now we weren't um and um you know, as far as the label is concerned, uh, we were balancing the label between live shows at that time. And when uh, when the pandemic hit, uh, obviously that went away. And we said, hey, you know what's going to like get us through this is um, really doubling down on making this label into uh, the thing that's as big as everyone already thinks it is. So we were like, it's going to distract us. It's going to keep us incredibly busy, but we're going to we're going to do this. Um, and I think after that little initial inspiration from uh, doing the quarantine sessions, we also were like, yeah, but we need to stay sane artistically, right. too, you know, yeah. so we started experimenting. Uh, but what people came to us with covers to do, too. Yeah, so we had, to, yeah, we had commissions of sort, yeah. So we had to do the, the end of Gib. Um, for Curry Cuts, for yeah. Curry Cuts uh -huh. and... Um, 2020. Oh, that was so much fun. Oh, my gosh. Um, we learned so much about harmonies just analyzing them, picking them apart and trying to lay them down. And engineering. I mean, like the drums didn't get shipped off to a gig every every couple of weeks. So the drum kit just sat there and we got some good mics and learned how to do this and, thing. Yeah. And that's a great compilation too. That's on Future Man Records. The 2020 Tribute. The 2020 Tribute. Yeah, that's a, a fantastic album. We should we should we have good source material, I guess. Yes. Any yeah. listeners that think we're talking about a tribute to 2020 of the year. But no. 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 <laughs> yeah, 2020, 2020 the, the year can 
not have a tribute. That would yes. be fine, you know. But, <laughs> but the band is, you know, we're big fans, and that was a real honor to to do that. Uh, and then we did Paris 1919. Yeah, yeah, the John Cale cover, and I think it dovetailed to the point where we were like, we we're all over the place. We didn't want to do like we had eyes on how a lot of people, a lot of artists were responding to the pandemic. You know, we had an overview of that because we were working with people going like, well, what do I do with this record? Or how, what do I do with that? And we, what we were responding to the most, I think was people who, rather than saying, I'm going to make a record where the pandemic is the topic, or I'm going to make a record that totally ignores the pandemic. We were like really vibing on stuff like uh, the way Dolph Cheney developed a record out of doing uh, live streaming and exploring his back catalog. And he was like, well, these songs deserve to be an album or what Chris Church cool. did. Yeah. Chris Church kind of like usually works with a lot of other people, but he said, you know what, what I'm both feeling and what makes sense is for me to do this one all on my own. And he made the Game Dirt record. And we were like, the weird stuff is what's working, you know? Yeah, um, it seemed to be. It seemed like, um, you know, people that rather than responding directly, just kind of like reached out to the force and uh, let it guide the process. <laughs> right. And we were like, so what kind of weird thing? These songs are, are pretty strange. Um, and Christina just started grabbing things out of our uh, our, back un, our back catalog, our unused songs. And she would be like, can we do that? And I'm like, well, that never made any sense. And she was kind of like, yeah, <laughs> who cares right now? So we started working just to work while we were really, really intensely doubling down on the, the, lab, the label, developing the label. Yeah. And all those singles you released under different names. Because we could. Yeah. That, was, that, was, <laughs> that was the fun part was sort of like, we, okay, here's a chance. We're going to start in October, so it's Halloween, and we're going to end on April Fool's Day. And in between, we, we, we run a label that puts out singles from new bands. So um, we're going to put out a single every month. One of these bands is not like the other. You know? like, <laughs> so out of the four singles that came out from week to week every month, one of them was a mysterious new band that just happened to have you know, male, female lead singers and viola. And the first time we had more stuff. See if anyone figures it out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the first time the armoires got played on, on Rodney Bingenheimer's show, the Little Stevens Underground Garage, um, was one of the fake bands. The fake bands, yeah. Oh, oh really? That's great. It was, <laughs> it was like a lot of fun. I think it was, that was, that was 2020 and... Um, that Air to Scream. And Paris 1919, and, both, yeah. You no, know, but what was the other one? Um, oh, XTC was on that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Senses Working Overtime. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and so we had to, like... <laughs> we kind of, like, knew, like... Once it started, we were like, you know, David Byrne, my God, what have I done? You know, um, <laughs> and, and we were like, we still got to see this through. We still can't say anything about it until April. Um, and I guess the slight advantage was that if it just like really tanked and it was dumb, we could just pull the plug. Know, <laughs> but it just kind of got better and better for us. We actually had more fun recording um, this stuff. I, I mean, I think we both enjoy the fundamental absurdity of, of rock and roll. Yeah. And if you can push it to... Uh, Cause like, what you gotta lose? You know, you're over 50 and you're just, you know, you got a guitar and then you got a keyboard and you can, and people are going to listen to it, you know? So just, you know, it's not time to play it safe anymore. You know? <laughs> right. It, it right. was really fun to hear Rodney say, Oh, the yes, it is. I love that. Band. Yeah. Our favorite, that was one of our, <laughs> we had to, and we had to make up eight fake bands and like the bios behind them. And, um, and the bios all had names of our pets in them. Yeah. Every <laughs> single one of our pets was That's great. Uh, you know, described as being one of the band members. Anyways, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, we, so we saw it through and um, and we got a really, really good response for this uh, this oddball record. We were gonna do a, a normal record that where it's gonna be like the band recording together in the studio. And that was the last kind of record you could make. So we just swung entirely in the other direction and had fun with it, I think. Yeah. We can always do another record 
later next year. Yeah, we would do you know, we'll as do things get better. Back, yeah, get more uh, more studio time and back to maybe not back to what things used to be exactly, but you know, I think that we're going to see a lot of interesting music coming in the next year as a reaction to being back into kind of work mode again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've seen uh, again. We've been on the inside of these albums that were being made before the pandemic and came out during and had to right. kind of be recontextualized. And we've certainly seen what people are developing and how it's kind of changed uh, what they're doing um, uh, during the pandemic. And um, so, yeah, we know, we know what's, what's coming to a, a great extent, you know. Um, but our biggest challenge as a band right now is that we haven't practiced in over a year and a half. Yes. As right. a band. Yeah. That's, and we, that's and hard. We did, this, yeah, we did this record that, that paid no heed to what you what you would play live. <laughs> what you would play live, which is very unusual for us. Like, you know, like I said, we, we, you know, we played a lot. So when we would take time to record stuff that we always had, uh, you know, arrangement uh, ideas that fit what we were going to be able to do on stage. Right. And before the pandemic hit, we, our plan was to, as a band, go into a studio as a band, record as a band and put out an album that sounds like we were playing live. Yeah. And we did the opposite. So, uh, <laughs> so, so uh, rearranging that stuff or picking and choosing that stuff for a new set list. I mean, but it's it's healthy. It's healthy to you know have to rethink the basics as a band and and see what uh, this this strange experience did to us. That's that's uh, that's positive. Mm -hmm. what, what, what the dividends are. Um, I mean, we got to play with. Uh, we got to record with our, our our current lineup eventually. You know, and uh, like it's like this is the first record that has uh, our John Borak drumming for us and. Um, it was really cool. Um, it was really cool in that respect. And then, and then we brought in lots, lots of friends from um, around the world to do uh, guest shots and things like that. Cause we just weren't worried about it. Anyways. Yeah. Speaking of getting back to basics, um, I had mentioned to you uh, ahead of the show that I was interested to know some of the things that inspired you in the past or inspire you now, sort of inspirational things, just curious as to what, what you're listening to or what it is that has made you want to do this all your life? <laughs> hmm. Well, that's an interesting question because we didn't know we were going to be a record label. We didn't even know we wanted to be a record label. It was uh, Stephen Wilson from Plastic Soul um, who had just finished recording his album Therapy, which is phenomenal, um, came to us and he said, hey, you know what? We're going to, I'm going to put this out on Big Stir Records. Um, well, we were like, well, we, we don't have a label. We're not, we're not a label. And he said, yeah, but you know, we're stronger together. I mean, why, why put it out on some, you know, made up name? Um, Big Stir is already a thing. So let's just make it Big Stir Records. And, um, and, you know, so Rex was, he was going to put a 001 as the, um, the first the catalog, catalog number. BSR001. BSR001. And Stephen said, no, 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 no. It's got to have an extra zero. You're going to have way more than 100 releases. 999. Or 99 releases, <laughs> yeah, right? So that's how that thing was born. And then it I mean, he was just, you know, he was our, our buddy in another band. And he was sharing us this record that he was working on. And we were like, this is a phenomenal this record. This is an incredible record. And, um, and you know, because of the community we already built through the live series, we could reach a lot more people than he could at the time. And it deserved, you know, a much bigger, much wider audience than it was, it would have gotten. Hearing that, uh, that record in development and then suddenly being like, oh, goodness, we're going to be the, the custodians, the caretakers of getting this out of the world. 
Yeah, um, and then so the it was the magazine that came later, right? It was Pooch, Patrick DiPuccio from the Condors, who was founder of uh, co-founder of Flipside Magazine. Flipside Fanzine, yeah. Flipside Fanzine. So he says, well, you know, I think Big Stir should have a magazine. And it was his idea to, you know, do things, staple papers, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> printed out staple papers. Really like a fanzine, a yeah. Yeah, handed out at gigs. And we were like, yeah, but we know this great artist through Spy Genius, who was Joe Champness. And he did all of the illustrations, the caricatures and the layout. And there's a lot of like experimental, like off the wall things that we that we tried. Um, and, and, and things like the magazine and things like, uh, you know, the, the, the single series and, uh, stuff like that kind of, kind of stuck and, and started, um, guiding us. So I, I think I wrote this thing in the liner notes to, um, the last singles compilation where like, if I think there's one thing that sort of defines what we do, it's like, especially recently, you know, we've really tried to be incredibly, um, professional, reliable. People are used to flaky you know, uh, flaky people in this industry, obviously. So we try to be the ones that really follow through on everything. Um, so it's like, you know, we want to be, uh, as professional as we can be, um, and as reliable as we can be, but we also, you know, leave the door open to just absurdism, <laughs> rock and roll experimentalism. Um, and way too much on our plate. <laughs> and way too much. Yeah. So we have to things. try new things. I mean, yeah, um, you know, and sometimes they don't work, but you learn from it and you move on to something else. And then the next thing works better or works surprisingly. Um, trying stuff is a, a good thing. I'm always in favor of trying things. For sure. And then you look back and you're like, um, oh, hey, remember that thing we were going to do and that didn't happen. But what but it doesn't really matter because there were five other things that we did do. Right. Right. Those ultimately shape the identity of the label. I mean, I think the label has an identity and a, and a, and a vibe. Um uh, yeah, and it did all of that before we even got the LLC, you know, the, all the legal stuff done, the trademark and the, you know, the DBA and the bank account. and Legitimate the, distribution and, and all that kind of thing. And, you know, sometimes we kind of look at it and we're like, we did all that really weird stuff and somehow we still turned into a viable business entity. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the balance. That's, that's the balance. I mean, you can't just be like, you know, do throw everything at the wall. Um, although we come close to that. Yeah. <laughs> we um, do come close to that. Uh, you know, because you've, you've got to learn to be really good at some of it. Right. But, so. And we, we also have trouble saying no. Yeah. We're nice people, you know, yeah. um, and, uh, and, and we do, and, and it's happened quickly. Yeah, five years, six years. Five maybe? years, five yeah. Years? Wow. To, from from being the people that like you know sort of invited people into a into a room and said you know it's going to be a live show and everyone nobody knew who who we were. Kind of like, <laughs> yeah, Arthur Alexander from the Sorrows talks about that to this day. He was like, I, I don't know what this is. I don't know who these two are, but you know I'm going to play live in their show, see what happens, and ends up you know years later coming to us saying, would you put out this album that. Uh, is 40 years in the making. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, and that really was a thing, like, uh, you know, um, to, to go from the, the the weird, you know, blonde paisley wearing people in the corner that everyone's like, what's, what's why'd the circus come to town? Um, <laughs> to being entrusted with, uh, I mean, most recently, um, between the SARS record and Popsico uh, and, uh, and did the Flash Cube single um, and, uh, and, and um, you know, folks that have been 
I mean, and a lot of the folks just from the from the live scene that um, that have a, a great history is like it's it's gone a long way to the time to the place where these people trust us, mm-hmm. and uh, we take that risk. With great power, pop comes great responsibility. Yes, um, <laughs> uh, great responsibility, pop. I guess. Um, <laughs> well, speaking of all of those things. Um, you had uh, three things that you want to share, and I think it would be good to listen to them now, and then we can come back from that and talk a little bit about those and maybe other things you've got going on. I've got a couple of questions about things that you are involved in that I'm curious to know more about. So let's listen to that, and then we'll uh, come back and talk about those a little bit more.
right, so I am here with Rex and Christina from Big Stir Records, and we are Zooming about all things uh, Big Stir and the Armoires, and we just listened to three songs that they are going to tell us a little bit more about. Um, the last thing that we heard actually was Danny Wilkerson's You Still Owe Me a Kiss. And that, uh, tell me a little bit about Danny Wilkerson, because I just listened to this new album. It's well, fantastic. Danny, Danny, um, uh, this is a record that we're relaunching. It's a, it's a pretty amazing uh, album, and it's part of our, uh, our our new partnership with Spider Pop Records out of Texas. Um, and we've been great admirers of theirs, and I guess they admired us enough <laughs> to uh, um, to look at it as a as a natural uh, collaboration. Um, and uh, yeah, they're you know I guess uh, Lanny Flowers of the Penguins. Uh, Danny Wilkerson, they've put out several albums by Bill Lloyd, who's definitely got a, you know, legendary uh, career. And uh, our, our artist, Chris Church, did several records with them uh, as well. And um, we started talking about sharing some promotional bandwidth and things like that, because um, uh, they just have amazing music and um, not just amazing music, but if you see uh, the the packaging, the, oh, the, the graphic design. So good. Yeah. Calling it graphic design is kind of lowballing it because it's just uh, they're, they're they're dream things when you get these LPs like uh, Lanny's album Home and uh, uh, Danny Danny's album. It, it's called Wilkerson. It's produced by uh, by Bill. Uh, uh, I mean, sorry, Blue 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 Macaulay. Um, and uh, and it's like yeah, if you get if you look at this album, yeah, it's, it's kind of very a cool world unto itself. So, oh yeah, and um, you can actually flip it around so that the that circle in the middle. Can you hold that, please? This is going to look great on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. People can check it out at Big Stir Records, right? So then you can have the world there too. There's infinite possibilities. It's it's a gorgeous package. And it's a, and, yeah, and it, you know, it's, it sort of goes along with the experience of the record, which is this this sort of like lush melodic thing. Danny's yes. just unbelievable. And and he's a guy who you know was basically known as a as a sideman, like the you know I probably best known as the drummer for the Penguins, uh, you know Lanny's band, um, uh, uh, who are playing today uh, in Texas live. Uh, even like you know as as we record this, not when you when it airs, but. In any case, the you know what it, we sort of ended up thinking is like you know as we move towards new releases from Spider Pop, um, we were just like, let's relaunch um, Lanny's last album, Home. Let's relaunch this Wilkerson. Album. Let's get some new ears on on those. Um, and they're just so they're such wonderful people to work with. Um, the and, best. Uh, it, and it's just been. It's just been really, really great. It's a love fest. Yeah, it is. Well, <laughs> yeah. when I put that Wilkerson album on, when I started listening to that, it was a love fest. I mean, it starts. There's a long song right off the bat. Everybody loves. Everybody loves to love. Yeah. And I was like, wow, just wow. It's it starts out almost like this Burt Backrack kind of thing, and eases into Beatles sort of. I don't know, but he puts it all together. And you said Lush earlier. Yeah, and I think yeah, Lush kind of describes that album, uh, and then the there's strings on the next song, and I'm like, wow, this is going to be one song after another through that whole album. And I wasn't familiar with the album or Danny Wilkerson really until Bigster shows me, you know, you're relaunching it, so that's great. You're bringing it to a whole new audience, which is, you know, the idea, I guess. And I love to find new music like that. Excellent. Yes, that was the plan. <laughs> Everything is proceeding exactly as we have foreseen. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, it, it, that's, and it just, 
it just gels with what we do so well. I mean, I, I, this is the Spider Pop partnership is part of you know our big focus on on community and um, and our, our our idea is that it's not really competition. Yeah. Um, uh, there's. Well, that's there's, how the Future Man sort of partnership was born. We just, yeah. We we share each other's releases and. Yeah. Um, Rising tide yeah. floats all boats, right? Absolutely. That's been said by folks in our orbit as well. Yeah, we're stronger together. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and, and yeah, I mean, like the Future Man compilations, the 2020 tribute and the, uh, by the time you get the final list together and there's, there's more, more of these compilations coming, you're sort of like, uh, there's so much uh, cross pollination. John Borak, our drummer, ends up playing, I think he played on almost half the tracks funny <laughs> compilation. He did. And that was Big Stir artists, that was Future Man artists, that was independent artists. Uh, he he plays with uh, Vic Irwin's band, The Use of Electrics, on the Spider Pop roster. Um, and, and there's, you know, we just enjoy each other's stuff and no single label can put it all out. Right. Too much, yeah. And it lands together on wonderful shows like yours, and and we can't say enough about how much the DJs, um, uh, the the writers, the bloggers, our life's blood. You know, it, uh, it it takes it takes a village, a global village. God, we are terrible with the cliches today. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's okay. Global village is fine for power pop music, right? Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's a it's a network. It's um, it's. You know, we talk we, about the Venn diagram sometimes. Oh, the Venn diagram, yeah. Where yeah. The, uh, some so, people know each other, and then, but they don't, they haven't, you know, been heard by this DJ. And so, yeah, so you're hearing Danny Wilkerson for the first time. Right. That's so you're, we're, we're expanding the Venn diagram. We're trying diagram to make into a circle. Yeah, to make the Venn diagram into one big blob yeah. where, um, you know, uh, not everything's going to be for everyone, but uh, everyone's got a, a chance to hear it all. Um, and the, the, yeah, again, the and radio. We spend a lot of time, I mean, and it's so important because there's so you, you and everyone in the community, uh, the DJs, the bloggers, the, the press people, the reviewers are so important to what we do that we spend a lot of time just scouring social media to see if oh, somebody yeah. wrote about something or if somebody played something and make sure we thank them and make sure we share it because that's that's how we can be one in this community is lift each other up all along the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We also heard uh, a song from Popsicko, another yeah. band that was kind of new to me. Um, and so maybe you could tell me a little bit about that. Oh, they are Santa Barbara legends. Yes. Okay. Uh, Santa Barbara, uh, one of my favorite places. It, yeah. They nope. had a very vibrant music scene back then. Yeah. Um, and this was, uh, and unfortunately this is, a, all we can do for Popsico is, is, is a reissue. We're not, we're not very focused on reissues because other labels kind of have that tied down um, and do a brilliant job on that. And we, we like to find everyone's place in the, you know, the, uh, the ecosphere. Um, uh, and for us, there's great labels that are doing reissues, but what this was a very personal project for uh, Marco DeSantis, who was in the band, um, and uh, Steve Coulter, again, uh, from the brothers Steve, who were initially a Santa Barbara band. Um, and uh, and Steve, Steve, who's written um, Power Pop books, uh, Go All the Way, and uh, Edited, yeah, edited and contributed edited. to. Yeah, he's a great writer. Edited and contributed to with Paul Meyer. And Bizarre fact, the two of the best writers we know are also drummers. Right. <laughs> John Borak and, uh, and Steve Coulter. Interesting. Right. Um, but he he's written an oral history about Popsico because um, 
Well, one of the mem members, unfortunately, tragically, was killed in a car accident um, oh. on two weeks after recording the album and on his way to talk to a label head or an executive. This is Keith Brown, the lead singer and, and chief songwriter for Popsico. And this is something that uh, has remained uh, really important to uh, the, the folks that remember them. And um, and this album... And, and this album, well, but this album, um, <laughs> what I wanted to say before that is that uh, the oral history actually talks about how every member in the band ended up being in other bands that are, you know, you'd be surprised to hear. And uh, yes, yeah, so um, they, they brought that this to us and said, this has never been properly reissued. Um, it, it felt right to us as we're moving into sort of a, a period where we're working on doing new music with uh, with legacy artists like like Soros and um, and it was a kind of a, a reissue, but it was an introduction as it is again, you know, um, to folks like you who, uh, you know, it's, it's it maybe the first time you're hearing this. So there's something that a name that you've heard mentioned um, and, uh, and, and it's great. It, it really stands up. So it's a real honor uh, to be working on that. And there's a lot more to come in this, uh, this relaunch project for, oh, yeah. for Popsico too. Yeah. But read the oral history. I think it's on Steve Coulter's page or S.W. Lawden's page. Me, I think there's a version of it on Medium. There's a couple, actually two different pieces he's done, but. Uh, well, yeah. I'll uh, put links to that up at mrsuave.com for, for this uh, show. And I'll include whatever links that you think are appropriate for the oral history, for other albums, anything like that. I like to share those kinds of things. You mentioned the <laughs> Soros, um, and it's always hard for me because I read it's not the Soros. That's correct. correct. They're in Italian. Soros. Uh, there was a '60s band, The Soros. Right. There was. Um, and there's an actual <laughs> box set coming out from them. Um. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah, this is kind of that's going to be confusing. Uh, but no, it's it's worse than you know because yeah. uh, it, you know oh, no. there's there's um kind of the first time for The Soros that they've done like a, a full anthology, and it just it was just now released. And the wording of it, um, of the title of it, uh, you know, it could have been These Sorrows, the complete recordings, but no, they chose to call it, um, they, it has an overall title and then it's The, the complete, complete Sorrows. Sorrows. So the definite article <laughs> is, is separated from the band. So now it's a little bit more confusing. And I gotta say, I mean, I'm a fan of both bands and I've been like aware of both <laughs> bands for a long time. Um, and, uh, and Arthur Alexander and, and the guys in the band, you know, when they were, uh, in, in their heyday in the late seventies in, in New York, they were aware of the band too. I mean, these are music sure, bands. Right, yeah, so yeah. dropping it and being just sorrows was a, um, uh, a, a choice at the time. And it, 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 it haunts us to this day, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting story. Um, I noticed that you just have a documentary. Mm -hmm that is come out, which I haven't, oh, I watched like 30 seconds of it maybe, or saw the trailer, I think. Yeah, there was a trailer, um, yeah. <laughs> but that first Sorrows album in like 1980 or something, That's exactly. I didn't get it at that point, but somewhere in the mid eighties at Rhino Records, I found it in one of those like three for a dollar bins. Oh, wow. And unknown what it was, I just thought the cover was really cool. I took it home. Uh, and so I had known that album for a long time, but I didn't really know the story. And it sounds like there's quite a story behind trying to get other albums out. Not so well. Yeah. <laughs> so the documentary will be really interesting, I think. It is. Um, and uh, and, and uh, what, what the album is, it's called Love Too Late, the real album. Um, you're talking about the first album, uh, Teenage Heartbreak. And, right. Uh, um, and that one sort of stands as um, as 
as, as a real classic. Um, there was no reason why their second album, given that time period, wouldn't have been like, uh, you know, the biggest thing. Yeah, you had the yeah, they like been the, huge. The knack and the cars and 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 that kind of music was was back, you know, really. Um, and they had the songs. I mean, you kind of have to listen to what happened, but um, what you would say is uh, uh, label interference, <laughs> uh, to put it mildly. Um, we are, uh, Arthur told us, because it, this is, um, it's a re-recording in a, in a sense. It's got elements of the original, um, the original master very tapes, little. but very, very little. Uh, and it's exactly, and it sounds like the kind of record that would have come out then at, at, at the top, you know, the topmost of that, like, you know, on that sort of, you know, Plimsoll's label level of, they nailed it. Um, but that's not what came out, you know, um, what came out was until now, until now. Until yeah. Now. Um, and and we're, we're fortunate enough to get to put it out there. Yeah. And Arthur told us, you know, as we were walking into this project, he's like, I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to tell the, the real story. You know, the, the shovel <laughs> <He's> a, <laughs> of a, of a, of a, of a sort that we can't really say the first part of it, the, 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 yeah, you can. the blank <laughs> shovel. Yeah, <you> can. <laughs> No, so Arthur a said poop shovel Arthur is said, coming out, <laughs> and we were like, "Let's do it! It's a great story. Stories are great." He said the shit shovel was coming out, and yeah, are you ready? It sounds like he's quite a character. He oh, is, he's, yeah. And he's, I, I think yeah. one of us said, "Well, let's start digging." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, because I mean, I, I think uh, for all of the fact that you know the the industry has turned away from our type of music and, and it's, and it's only us, a small folks uh, keeping up the good fight. One of the advantages to that is that, you know, folks like us are not going to say, yeah, you know what, Arthur, um, uh, you know, you, you've been doing this for 40 years and you got a, for quite a good reputation, but let's, uh, let's, uh, let's get like, you know, a little Jeezy in here and do a little rap verse on this. And then, <laughs> uh, you know, we're not going to mess with it because we're, yeah. we, we really love and respect the artists. Um, uh, that, that's why we're here. You know, we, we're, we're lifelong listeners uh, and, and, and readers and students of the lore. And fans. And fans. fans you know? of everyone that we put out. So why would we get like, you know, start listening to, you know, the new takes that the brother Steve are working on and be like, yeah, you guys, uh, you know, like when we go back in and uh, retract this one, I don't know if the kids are going to be into it. It's like, no, we want to put out the record that the artists want. So that was kind of a you know point like maybe um, the decline of the industry on the big money side, as far as rock and roll is concerned, has some benefits. Um, sure. You know, uh, because now you get, there's no reason to start a label um, unless, because you're not going to make giant money on rock and roll now. Yeah, right. You know, it doesn't exist. Like, it doesn't <laughs> but exist. But you can serve that sort of niche market that is desperate for, and do it like right. that and, yeah, you know, and, do, and appreciate it. Yeah. And, and then the last thing you want to do is have these artists compromise, you know, they deserve the, you know, the respect for that people. Um, uh, and we're very interested too, I think in like, you know, uh, we have genre associations and things like that, but um, we're very focused on the overall picture of the artists. One of your core values is not label interference. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Label non-interference. Um, and, um, and if it's, uh, it's developing into something a little bit different from what's expected from that artist, there's great. Exactly. <laughs> do we, do we, did we enjoy every, uh, did we really enjoy in our, you know, as fans, uh, bands that just made the same record over and over again? 
I mean, maybe when I was 16, maybe when you were 16, <laughs> but I mean, even at that point when, you know, I, I, I was born after, you know, the Beatles broke up. So what, what I got in terms of the Beatles catalog um, right. and, and studying it was not the same record uh, 14 times, you know, it, it was a story about how they evolved. And, um, you know, I think my, I kind of cut my teeth listening to college radio in the eighties and um, those were adventurous bands too. We liked the adventurousness. We we liked. Otherwise, there's no reason to even say, "Well, what's your favorite album?" Yeah, they're all the same. We also like quirky. Yeah, yeah. Quirky's yeah. good. Personality's nice. Lyrics yeah. are good too. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think that that that's definitely a um, more than a genre sound. It's just sort of like what we respond to personally and um, where the artists want to go next, and we're happy to be surprised by that. And then, you know, we'd step back and we're like, well, how do we frame this? What's the story on this? And, um, and that's enjoyable, you know. Truly. And it's, I think it's, I've said this many times before, and I always credit Robbie Rist. Uh, Robbie Rist, uh, who is, um, well, he's got a show called The Spoon. Um, yeah. And it's an interview show where they talk about music and interview uh, musicians. And uh, I was on the show and he tried to explain what it was about the music that we put out because he couldn't put a genre on it. He couldn't put a, a label on it, but he said it, it completely scratches the itch is what it is. And I've thought about that forever while we're doing this and everything we put out fits that, that category that fits that, that phrase for us. It scratches the itch. And if you could quantify it, um, and, uh, you know, make a diagram of what you need to do to make a record that we're going to respond to, then there would be no reason to do it. Correct. Um, you know, it's an instinct. It's a, it's a visceral reaction. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's art, not science. Correct. Yeah. Right. And, and, well, uh, there's some science. There is some, I mean, there, like <laughs> I, I'm partial to jangly guitars and harmonies. Um, and you know, I like the, the punk side. I like the, uh, the garage side. I'm from Detroit. Um, oh, yeah. so it's in your blood then. It's in my <laughs> blood. And yeah. I mean, hanging out with the, the artists, I mean, we sort of realized that they, they don't think in, you know, or at least the ones that we really respect and, and, uh, and feel a kinship with whatever clicks in their minds about what they want to follow next. It's, it's the muse. It's this, this, the spook I call it sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't boss that around. You, you respond to that. And, um, you know, the, the mystery of it is is part of what keeps me coming back to it. I mean, like, there's only so many notes. There's only so many words. There's and only so would, many chords. There's only so many chords. You would think that when you're saying it's essentially three and a half minutes um, with a, a, you know, a, a pretty standard structure, that we would have exhausted the possibilities on that stuff long ago. It's amazing, isn't it, that we it's, haven't? We haven't. And when people look at it like we have and just do something boilerplate, that doesn't, you know... Uh, it, it might, it might work for some people, um, you know, just based on nostalgia and, and not being post Malone or whatever they, they're sick of hearing they, they, um, <laughs> on the radio. Um, I get that. I respect that to a certain extent, but to me, it's the miracle that, uh, you know, when Chris Church or Peter Watts from Spy Genius, uh, um, uh, these guys come forward with things that clearly spring from that inspiration, but they're utterly new. Right. Um, Spy Genius were so worried about what the the reaction would be to their last album, Man on the Sea. Um, the I don't know. If double album. Gatefold, uh, double album, gorgeous. And yeah, they were all over the place. It is truly wonderful. Yeah. So, yeah, the 
the fact that something new can still be made uh, um, uh, within this very, very sturdy framework. Um, that's what excites us a lot. So what uh, new is being made in the back of your minds for what do we have to look forward to from Big Stir this year, next year? Do you have any big surprises? I'm sure you don't want to reveal them all at this moment, but I don't know. Anything you can tease us with a little bit? I would say, um, of course, you know, all eyes are on uh, the Wilkerson relaunch right now. And there's Sorrows. and, um, and yeah. the Sorrows uh, record. I mean, those are those are both just like such, <laughs> such great things that have been announced. Um, uh, and and the Anton Barbeau record that just just came out, right. which is called "All the Joys We Live For," and then we realized yeah, we put out sorrows. We put out sorrows. So we, so we, we have joys <laughs> and sorrows. Right now, our two big projects are joys and sorrows. Because there is no light without the darkness, which was the album that we released at the beginning of the year by the Stan Laurels. Stan Laurels, yeah. So um, there's sort of a theme here that we. It all comes together. It yeah. all comes together. We can come together. Yeah. There will be some uh, new releases from uh, folks on the roster. Um, there will that we haven't announced that yet. we haven't announced yet, yeah, but, uh, but folks that, that we're, they'll be doing their their second uh, releases with us, um, and um, we're pretty. We've got a lot of UK artists coming up. I think we've been pretty American for a little while, um, but uh, there there's uh, keep your eyes on on, on Great Britain cool. for us. Uh, we will go ahead and tease you. Um, there's a, a another long running band. Um, from, uh, from the Manchester area, uh, The Speed of Sound, with whom we've done a number of singles. And uh, they have um, a, uh, a record coming out, it's called Museum of Tomorrow. Um, and uh, you're seeing uh, John Armstrong of the band, who's also a great like, DJ, DJ of his own. DJ Mad Wasp Radio. <laughs> so called uh, Tuning Up. Um, see, there's a lot of crossover. We were yeah. we attempted to be DJs briefly, but we're leaving, briefly. leaving it to you, I professionals. Think it was six so. months worth. Yeah, half a year. Half a like year. But we did do a five part Halloween series, and it's on Mixcloud. Yeah, so you <laughs> oh, know, nice. tells you, you love know, Halloween shows. It turned into an audio adventure, you know, and then we're sort of like, okay, wait, we're, it's we're, called Bigster <laughs> Radar. <laughs> Gotta hours. try things. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Bigster Radar Hour is what it was called, uh, and it was silly. <laughs> this, but yeah, the speed of sound. There's the the, the record's called the Museum of Tomorrow, and and there's things about its presentation that uh, um, uh, I don't, I really don't want to spoil this, but it's- No, don't, it's, you don't have to. It's cool. Oh, we'll just um, keep our eyes cool. open it's, for something from the speed of sound. Yes, right? it's more than- It's an experience. A collection of songs. There's, yeah, it's a multi, it's a multimedia experience from Correct. the speed of sound. Um, <laughs> and I hope, uh, I hope John will appreciate that as a tease. You, you can keep an eye on some of the teases that he's doing right now. Yes, are, we're very excited about this cool. one too. Um, the Spider Pop connection will not just be uh, relaunches. There will be um, a very cool album coming from uh, their, their their flagship artist, shall we say. Uh, you know, waiting, sitting on these announcements for months at a time, especially when you've got a plan so far ahead as to get you know vinyl ready to hit when it needs to hit, as we did with uh, which with is a the year stars. ahead now. By the way, it's yeah. awful. Yeah, it's 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 a real challenge at this point. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we we're always six months to a year uh, ahead. Um, and uh, and sometimes we're sitting on things that change, you know, some fundamental aspects of what we do. I think in some ways, like we we are sitting there saying, well, we have we we know we're going to um, have this this new level of distribution. We know we're going to have this partnership with with a with a, another label. We know we've got this this incredible, you know, 
legacy but fresh release with uh you know this legendary band in in, in sorrows um so we're sitting there going bigster's not going to be recognizable um the, the core values are always going to be the same but uh the specifics and the actual you know uh shape form focus um is going to change and we know that uh that that's that that's coming we, we know that these big changes are going to uh we know what we know what it's going to be but we can't say anything about it yet that's okay We'll look forward to it. It's you know. indie, though. It, yeah, it, I mean, it is, but it, it, you know, it's. We look forward to seeing, seeing what you guys have coming later this year and next year and beyond. I really appreciate your taking the time. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate all the things that you've been releasing, all the things that you probably will be releasing. Uh, it's always fun for me to see what you've got and, you know, find new things or find uh, old things that I'm reminded of again, like sorrows and. Say, oh yeah, ah, remember that. That's great. That's a sweet spot. That's yeah. what we. That's what yeah. we really want to hear. I mean, uh, in in addition to you know, bringing the people that are doing this stuff all together, it's um, framing this whole thing as a continuum that's still still vibrant and has and still has uh, um, you know roots worth exploring. Sure. Yeah, and we can't hide our excitement. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much to Rex and Christina from Big Stir Records. Uh, as always, I will have the. Uh, the links to their stuff and uh, some videos and things up on mrsuave.com. People can check that out there at the Modcast homepage. And once again, thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, we're always honored to uh, to talk. Well, it's uh, my pleasure. So and, uh, thank you for being here. He was always the life of the party. He may yet be the death of us all. She was driving him home every night and then hitting the wall She was maybe a bit too demanding She was surely too much in demand She was justified in feeling tired of holding his hand It's a recipe for disaster But that recipe tasted too sweet We were all so damn scared for that party We were all scared as hell you would meet well, we love both of you, but we can't see you two as a couple No, you couldn't be better as two human beings, old friends Yes, we love both of you, but we just can't see the attraction And we can't think of any good way this is all going to end He would die on my 
clothes of refining her lifestyle, you might call it art. She's got a fresh bar of soap in her pocket and a seven-inch blade in her shoe, and she hasn't decided which one she'll be using on you. And we just can't see the attraction. 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 No, we just can't see. Just can't see. Just can't see the attraction. Just can't see. Just can't see. Just can't see the attraction. Well, I have just about had enough of you. Well, you wouldn't say that if I came with fries and a medium drink. <laughs> Right, that was the armoires you heard right there doing Just Can't See the Attraction. Uh, the armoires, of course, are Rex and Christina from Big Stir Records, joined by other musical friends. As always, you can check out the uh, track list, and I've got all the links to the things we talked about earlier in the show. You can check all that out, of course, at the Modcast homepage at mrsuave.com. Don't forget to spell out the Mr. And I'm going to be wrapping things up with one more song right now. Uh, this was from Big Stir's digital release series. I think it came out in 2019. Great bit of garage rock, power pop. Uh, it's just fantastic. It's the Living Dolls, and they are doing everything that happened. I'm Mr. Suave. Thanks for listening.
like a car that ran a light Like remaking Rollerball Like a gunshot in the night When you hear a siren Is someone close to dying Or is somebody being sad? I thought that we were better Than everything that happened Didn't get my letter About everything that happened I thought that we could rise above Everything that happened 